We're going to go live in three, two. Today's episode of the Gold Cast is sponsored by. What the hell is this one sponsored by, Ray? <laughs> this one. This one is sponsored by Thanksgiving. <laughs> sponsored by food and football. We're going to take that from the beginning. <laughs> All right. Today's episode of the Gold Cast is sponsored by Thanksgiving, food and football. Nothing says Thanksgiving more than watching some good old NFL during the day. I love watching football with a stuffed stomach full of Thanksgiving food. How about you, Ray? I couldn't agree more. I'm going to have some drinks, going to have some food. I know we won't be together this year, which is sad. But I'll have the other third of, of the Brotherhood together, and I'll have our unofficial third host of the Goldcast, our father, in company. So I will have both of them in tow as we uh, head into a morning game, a morning game, a mimosa Sunday, as they call it, a mimosa Sunday <laughs> football game. I believe that's what they call it. I believe that's the <laughs> official NFL term is a is mimosa Sunday. Yeah. We have a, a mimosa matchup, monster <laughs> matchup, a mimosa monster matchup, a mo- or a monster mimosa matchup between the Baltimore Ravens and the San Francisco 49ers. This is a monster mimosa matchup. <laughs> I think, I think Raymond, you've, you've just coined quite possibly the most brilliant term for a 10 a.m. game. A monster mimosa matchup between the 49ers and the Ravens. That's what I want to see on bars that have that do sports on Sunday, but also serve mimosa. You know those little chalkboard A-frames that they put out on the side? They need to put that monster mimosa matchup today. (laughs) (laughs) That's incredible. Raymond, why don't you let the people know, the Goldcast Nation, if they want to talk to us, where can they find us? You can like us on Facebook.com slash The Goldcast, and you can also follow us on Twitter at The underscore Goldcast. But if you want to get notified in real time on when we go live with our new podcast and you actually want to interact with us online, one of the best places to do it is to is on YouTube to subscribe, like, and comment. And also, we're also open to feedback if you have ideas, if you want to give us feedback on things you'd like to hear differently or like us talk about more, be sure to let us know. But that is YouTube slash The Goldcast. And you can also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher as well, wherever you find or listen to podcasts, you can find us there for the most part. But be sure to like, subscribe, and comment because we love to hear from you. And we do go over comments. So we we always have a a prediction contest week in and week out. And we're actually going to be making um making that kind of reading through some of the contests to see, you know, who came in close on the predictions, win or loss. And, you know, 
give you give you guys shout outs you know that's part of the participation exchange you know we're also going to be having some some fans on the show in the in the coming weeks so look out for that but definitely we'd love to hear from you and we certainly like giving you shout outs on the show it's a really fun part of the show for us we like to do it because we love to see all the participation and we like to kind of you know show our love back to you guys by letting you know that we're listening and we're reading and by reading you guys live here on the show so be sure to like subscribe and comment yeah, I really do like that section that we did last week, and we will continue to do that, as Raymond has just mentioned, uh, putting your, saying your predictions on air after the game, because it's kind of fun to look back and see how close people were, or how off. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. everyone That's... was, everyone, I think for the most part, there was only like maybe one person, the only, the, the one, the lone Packer fan who predicted the Packers winning was the only person who was off. I Everyone believe he's the host of the, the Cheesecast. That guy, he's yes, the host of that the, is the, the Cheesecast. Cheese That's the yeah, official AKA host. the 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 Orange Cast. Yeah, the 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 Craft, no. the Craft Cast, the Craft Cast, the Green Cast. <laughs> All right, Raymond, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Raceolise and on Instagram at Raceolise One. And you can find me on Instagram at Rudy Solis Three and Twitter at Rudy Solis Three R D. All right, here we go. The biggest matchup of the week of the year once again involves the 49ers. It seems like every week we play, Raymond, it's considered to be the biggest game against the biggest team out there. Literally, so many of our matchups in the second half of the season every week have been called by not only the fans but by the pundits and the analysts and the former athletes as the biggest game of the week and generally it's to decide some type of NFL supremacy so we're going to dive right in but first your professor of fanalism he's here the greatest fanalist in the game is in the building classes in session let's go San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Gold Cast. Boom! Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa I, baby. Boom! All right, Raymond. A funny thing happened along the way this season. A couple funny things, Ray. The first one that happened was the 49ers went 10-1 and to become the best team in the NFC. Another funny thing happened along the way, Ray. The Baltimore Ravens went 9-2 and to become the best team in the AFC, even though... The New England Patriots have technically a better record with also only one loss on the season. Unequivocally, unquestioning, the Baltimore Ravens are the best team in the AFC. And now these two juggernauts will face each other in what some people are calling a Super Bowl preview. Now, that's interesting because this is a team we faced in the Super Bowl in 2012 and I believe if these I believe these two teams might have 
the best chance possibly of going back. But that's way, way too ahead for us right now. But still, this is a game with so many implications. We have the Seattle Seahawks nipping at our heels. If we lose this game, the Seahawks, and if the Seahawks win, they will overtake the NFC West. This is literally has major playoff implications for the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, this is a, so much is riding on what has to be the toughest game of the season. Uh, I want to throw a couple of stats and then I want you to drop it on people and let the people what let let the people know. But just a couple different things going into this game. Baltimore is five and a half point favorites. Vegas likes likes Baltimore in this matchup. The couple different things. Baltimore is four and two all time in head to head matchups against San Francisco. Boo. I don't like that stat. A couple other things. San Francisco is averaging 30.2 points per game this season, number two in the NFL. San Francisco is surrendering, only surrendering 14.8 games per season, per, per game this season. 14.8 points per game this season. Sorry. Baltimore is averaging 35.1 points per game this season. Number one in the NFL. We are number two. They are number one. Baltimore is surrendering 18 points per game this season. That's number five in the NFL. So San Francisco is surrendering 14 points. They're surrendering 18 points. We're averaging 30. They're averaging 35 we defeated the Packers pretty handily, 37-8 to this week, last week, week 12. Baltimore defeated the LA Rams 45-6, to almost the same score on Monday Night Football in week 12. This is a team, a matchup that is going to be really tough. San Francisco, while we've only allowed 14.8 points per game we're surrendering about 111 rushing yards per game and the ravens average 210 yards per game so this this ray is the toughest opponent we will face this year and i want to hear all your thoughts about it now well as you pointed out there there are some similarities in our and the offensive potency between these two teams and some similarities between the defensive potency in these two teams. We are both the top scoring offenses in the NFL and we're both the best rushing offenses in the NFL. We've come back down to earth a little bit. We were averaging 200 yards per game earlier in the season, but uh, a three, I think the three game division stretch really changed that, changed that stat and kind of cut it by a fourth. So we're now averaging, you know, around 145. Passing, we're obviously better than the Ravens. The the yards accumulated is obviously better than the Niners. And defensively, I think these teams are similar, but you know the rankings really kind of shine brightest in San Francisco. We're number one or number two in every single category. I think the only top three category that the Ravens own is the rushing defense, of course, which is well under 90 yards per game, which is really good overall. 
I know they haven't done that. I know we're 19th. We were 20th, but we did drop back down to 19th after having a pretty stout game against Green Bay with the exception of some garbage time some garbage time yards accumulated in the fourth quarter when the backups came in and Jamal Williams was just kind of gashing our second and third units on defense, which really to me is, you know, that's the definition of irrelevant. So there's, there is some susceptibility there, but the first thing we're obviously going to jump into that I like to talk about in addition to that is the injury and practice reports, because that lets us know, you know, who's, who's possibly going to, who's probably going to play and who's maybe still up for debate. We know on the Ravens side, they lost their center, Matt Skura. He's on IR. This, that means that, you know, that definitely affects the, the offensive line calls because that's the center's job. He won't be doing that, you know, and this is a little bit different than the injury in the Green Bay injury to their starting uh, left tackle because that happened live during the game. So the backup had to come in cold, you know, cold in terms of, you know, the, the whole week of preparation was tailored around Matt or was tailored around the, the starting left tackle, not the backup. And of course the injury happened and he had to come in and our pass rush just kind of ate them all up. In fact, Nick Bosa volunteered himself to play on that side once he saw that there was a, you know, an exploitation on left tackles on the left tackle side of protection. Conversely for this Baltimore Ravens game, Matt Skura got injured shortly after during the game against the Rams. So once they knew he went on IR a couple days ago, they've had the backup in there. So the backup's been preparing. He won't be coming in cold in the same manner Green Bay did, but it's still, this is still significant because of the role the center plays. Like I said, he makes calls on the offensive line, for them to do their job. And in addition to that, there's also the, you know, often overlooked skill set of simply handing the ball off to the quarterback. That's something that we might see that might, you know, come into effect in this game. And most importantly, this affects pass protection and run blocking. So now this is now a matchup that heavily favors DJ Jones and DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead, and also Sheldon Day if he plays up up in the middle too in certain substitution packages. But DJ Jones is obviously our number one guy that actually gets the starting nose tackle job in first and second down run situation plays where we know that's coming, or at least we have a good indication that that's coming, and we want our biggest our biggest stout lineman in there to really kind of clog up the middle running lanes. This is a guy that DJ Jones, who's played excellent the last couple of games, we saw we saw him do play excellent against Green Bay. So he's going to come in there. That's going to expose them. So that helps us. That helps us stop Mark Ingram and Edmonds and potentially Lamar Jackson when he does his off script and on script running plays. But this also helps our twin towers, Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner. This helps them potentially get some penetration up through the middle to clog up those running lanes against Mark Ingram and, and company and Lamar Jackson. And then the other guys who were questionable was Michael Pierce, defensive tackle. He's not really a relevant player in this defense, so that's not a big deal. Ben Powers, the guard, he was limited and he's dealing with some kind of thumb injury. That's something to watch for. If he goes down, then you got two starting 
lineman out of the equation. That's huge for them. Kenneth Dixon is a running back. Again, he's part of the the running back committee that they run, although Mark Ingram gets the lion's share of all of those touches. So nothing big on that side. On the Niners side, we have the same people that we've been seeing all week pretty much. Joe Staley, no practice. He's probably going to miss this game. No problem because Brunskill and School have been playing great. Although School really struggled last week against one of the against the Smith brothers, and School and Brunskill quickly came in in his stead, and he played much better and was able to really kind of solidify pass protection and run blocking on that side, on the left. You side. You know what I was going to do, Ray? Sorry to interrupt, but That's I right. I was actually I forgot I I do I was going to give uh, School my cold shower last week. Yeah, so you, you had such, he, yeah, you had such he, a convincing he, argument about the pack about Aaron Rodgers. I, w- I went with you on that, but he was actually my first choice for for my cold shower. And that's not a bad one, considering that he got pulled in the first quarter. <laughs> so it was so bad, and you know the when when you're pulled, not not only is it it's indicative of two things: a you're playing so bad that you're getting beat on almost every play, and b I think the implications of that of you know win of the win or the loss probability that is that is so important that it's like they're not taking any chances they're not waiting for someone to kind of get into rhythm if this was a game earlier in the season i don't think he gets pulled in the same you know as as abruptly as he did but i think this late in the season with the playoff picture really coming into starting to come into view here in fact we if we win today we do get a playoff berth we clinch a playoff berth so there is large implications to this game so it's no surprise that that's why he did that. Matt Breda was limited in practice, so that's a good sign. He's participating at least. D Ford was originally listed as limited, but then Matt Mayoko corrected that and said that he did not practice today. So that's not good on a Wednesday, but there's still Thursday and Friday to go. We know they're going to practice tomorrow. They shifted the, the schedule, so they're going to practice earlier than they usually do so that they're out in the afternoon and they can go be with their families for the holiday. So we know that they're going to get a full rep in there. So we'll have to keep watching D Ford today, tomorrow. And Friday is the key day. If D Ford is a participant, limited participant, and is going through walkthroughs on Friday, then it's a pretty much – it's a – almost a foregone conclusion that he's going to play on Sunday. And we're certainly going to need his speed off the edge in order to slow down the rushing attack of the Baltimore Ravens. Robbie gold was a full practice participant today. We're going to need his leg going into this game. George Kittle was no practice. I think that is simply a precautionary decision to just keep him fresh for Sunday because we know he's most likely going to play. We saw that even with a bone chip in his ankle, he was still able to amass a monster game and caught every single throw uh, uh, every single one of his targets last Sunday. Emmanuel Sanders was limited in practice. We need to see him again, but with a with a rib injury, it's always you know tough. We don't know how much healing has taken place since he first started dealing with this. Hopefully, he's much better now, and will he'll able he'll be able to participate in more offensive snaps because we're going to need his ability going forward because the Ravens while the Niners are susceptible against the run which doesn't help us against this run this rushing matchup the Ravens conversely are susceptible in the passing defense um unlike us we're the best passing defense they're the 17th ranked passing defense so they're bottom half of the league in that category we are obviously bottom half of the league in the rushing yard category but still you know we're still they're still nine and two and we're still ten and one so that's something that needs to happen Emmanuel Sanders needs to participate to really keep them off balance so they're not just looking for Debo Samuel and and George Kittle 
Debo Samuel was limited. Speaking of Debo Samuel, he was limited in practice today. So I think, again, that's a precautionary method to keep him fresh. He will most likely go this Sunday. That is my, you know, kind of safe prediction between Sanders and Samuel. I think they're both going to practice or sorry, I think they're both going to play on Sunday. And that's what I'm seeing so far. You know, as far as rushing goes, I think rushing really favors. We've been exposed in the rushing attack, and this is a different beast of a rushing attack. Lamar Jackson, they have embraced the read option and the off script running. They've just said like, hey, if there's a hole, take it. Don't hesitate or try to wait for a receiver to get open. Just take the hole and and go with it because he is in, he is a high level running back that just happens to conveniently also be the quarterback. That is the type of player that we're dealing with on Sunday. And that is not going to be an easy task. This is by far and away the most difficult rushing attack that we will face all year long. Much more difficult than anyone we've faced all year, including Christian McCaffrey, because Mark Ingram has been a stout running back for them all season long. And they've also got a couple of other guys that get sprinkled in here and there too, that also have burst and edge speed. So it's it's really much very similar to ours. The only difference is we don't incorporate the quarterback into our rushing attack. We incorporate three really good running backs into that. And so this is going to be a tall task. This clearly favors the Ravens, and I don't know if the Niners are capable of containing Lamar Jackson completely. I just don't think it's going to happen, especially when we look at the games like Seattle. Even though in Seattle, Russell Wilson, you know, he doesn't run off script you know, and he doesn't do read option over there. Not as often as he used to. It's in fact, read, read option's gone and his off script running is really a last resort. He is an elite passer. Now he goes up into the category of all the other pocket passers. We got to him more than three times in our contest over there in San Francisco. And, you know, he was still able to get some late runs to really keep drives going. That's when he uses it is if the coverage is there and the hole is there, then he can, then he needs to do that as a last resort to keep the drive alive. Whereas Baltimore is really the opposite. It's like, Hey, if the hole opens and someone's open, he's probably still going to take off because it's a surefire bet. Everyone's downfield. The second level and the third level are more susceptible to getting gashed. And the first level has already been pushed out by pass protection or it is collapsed and is, is collapsed too far back behind the line of scrimmage where Lamar Jackson now has an easy, an easy escape route, either left, right or center. But again, with the center being injured, I'm hoping that that kind of helps offset some of that. I just don't know how it's going to play out. But on the secondary, they have Marcus Peters that they traded for in the Rams. And I know the Rams, you know, were supposed to be a better team coming into this contest than back when we embarrassed them, dominated them in the second half of our game, or really from the second quarter on, we dominated them. But, you know, I to me, they were they're more or less the exact same team that played us when we went to L.A., the only difference is Jalen Ramsey, but they gave up Marcus Peters and then got Jalen Ramsey. So that was kind of an even trade-off. They didn't get better at secondary. They remained just as good at secondary. Jalen Ramsey, obviously, I think he's better than 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 Marcus Peters because Marcus Peters is kind of always has ball hawk on his mind. He has three picks, two return for touchdowns this season since going to Baltimore. Um, so you know, uh, he's that, that's something that I kind of look forward to because I want him to kind of go for that big throw. Cause 
Jimmy Garoppolo's got great flick in his throw. He is a former shortstop, which allows him to throw throw at from more angles. We've seen um, other players do this, such as Patrick Mahomes, who also has a baseball background. Kyler Murray, who has a baseball background. These guys were also could have drafted um, as baseball players. The A's actually signed Kyler Murray before he decided to go to the NFL. And the same with uh, Lamar Jackson. He's got some angles that he can throw to through too. And I know he's a much better thrower this year, but he's still a run first quarterback past second that's kind of they've they've embraced this and this is the, the 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 style that they're going with here you know i don't know what you see on the side rudy but that's kind of what i'm seeing so far well i'll tell you this this is truly the real matchup here the biggest toughest part of this matchup is going to be the 49ers defense against one lamar jackson as you, as you mentioned, he is just so formidable, so dangerous. This is the ultimate test for the 49ers defense. And can they contain Lamar Jackson? I, You're not going to be able to stop Lamar Jackson. That's just, I think that's just a fact. He's that good. But this defense for the 49ers, they're also that good. I think they can slow him down. I think they can contain him. I think really what the 49ers really want to do here is we want to do a similar mat we want to do a similar playbook to what we did against the New Orleans Saints in the 2011 uh, playoff run. The, wow. the catch you, three. You dug, you dug back deep for that for that uh, strategy. I, I I did. And what was the strategy that we did against Drew Brees and the Saints? We had long drives that kept their their team on the bench because we knew that Drew Brees can't score a touchdown from the bench. Long, dirty, slow drives to keep them on the bench and to keep the 49ers scoring. What you what I what I what I think you want to avoid is trying to get into a shootout with the Ravens because if you get into a shootout with the Ravens, that's their game. That's what they love. That's where they want to go. They want this to be fast. They want this to be crazy. They want this to be unpredictable. And they want to just hit you, hit you, hit you, hit you over and over and over and over again. But if you slow the game down, if you're taking five, six-minute drives to get into scoring position for the 49ers, if you're eating up the clock, if you're eating up that first, second, and third quarter, if you're just taking just time and you got Lamar Jackson just sitting on the bench with his hands in his pocket, that that's the way you beat the Baltimore Ravens. You don't beat them. You, you beat them by punching them in the mouth, but you beat them by keeping Lamar on the sideline. You take long, slow drives to get this point. That's what the 49ers did in 2012 against the New Orleans Saints because we weren't sure if we could fully withstand the offensive firepower of Drew Brees. So we just kept him on the bench. And I think if the 49ers really want to win this game, now Kyle Shanahan is a one billion times greater strategist than I am when it comes to football. But I'm thinking here, my 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 guess, Rootsradamus the third is looking into his crystal football and he's thinking what they're gonna do is they're gonna try to go for long, slow drives and they're gonna keep Lamar cold because Lamar cannot score from the bench. 
But that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm seeing. That's what I'm thinking. I think the 49ers are going to pull a 2011 New Orleans Saints playbook here, and they're going to try and go for these long drives and keeping Lamar on the bench. I what do think, you think about that? I think that's definitely part of the strategy is to keep them on the sideline with long West Coast-esque style drives, short passing game, run a heavy dose of the running attack. That's why we need Matt Breida to really be in the part of this game. Him and Tevin Coleman and Raheem Mostert really need to, they need to give a heavy dose of those three to this rushing defense. Even though the rushing defense is very good, I still think, you know, if as long as we get the right, with Kittle in there, Kittle and check their blocking capabilities along with the offensive line, it's really hard to stop. Without Kittle in there, it the the running the run the rushing attack is really more vulnerable in terms of its effectiveness. So I think that's definitely a, a key element there. And then the other key element too is the wide nine. I think you need to shrink it, sh- shorten up the wide nine, kind of bring. In other words, not have it be as wide as the wide nine needs to be because we do need to narrow those running lanes when they do have possession and they are going to try to run off script uh, the way they do or simply, you know, because we need to contain him. He's just so elusive and he's really good with the read option and masking the handoff between him and one of the running backs and then deciding to take it himself or perhaps pass. So we know Greg Roman does have a little creativity. We saw a lot of creativity when he was here with uh, his John's brother, Jim, and, you know, pulling, you know, having offensive linemen catch balls and things of that nature. So he still runs kind of that. And they run three tight ends on that side to help really kind of push the rushing attack along. So that needs to be slowed down, of course. But it's all, we'll have to see how this plays out. This is the toughest matchup that they're facing this week, obviously, and all, all season long. I don't see any, I don't think even the Saints will be this difficult than the Baltimore Ravens. And I'm just not sure about this one. They're coming in hot. They've had like four blowouts in a row. I think they've had maybe six all year. Maybe they need to look towards the Cleveland tape and the uh, Kansas City tape to see how those teams dealt with them and managed to get wins over this team. I know that was probably part of the film study. So we'll, we'll, that that will be something you know they're going to take into consideration, of course. So, Raymond, what is... Your final prediction. I have a final prediction with a twist. So I want to know what your final prediction is. This one's tough. I don't think they put up 40 points, and I don't think we put up 37 points. I think this one gets close. This is a close contest. This will be similar to the Arizona games that we saw earlier in the season. So I think my final prediction is going to be 29-27 in favor of San Francisco. And I think we're going to get to Lamar Jackson at least three times. Ooh. So here's here's my twist on this. I hate to do it. I am going to go in favor of the Ravens 26-24. I almost the- I almost did that too, but I was like, you know, I got to be a homer. <laughs> but here's the twist. This isn't going to affect the standings at all because the Seattle Seahawks are going to lose to the Minnesota Vikings this week. Ah, okay. We are going to maintain control over the NFC West and still be in the driver's seat of the NFC overall. So while I do believe that the 49ers will probably lose 26-24, 
I believe that the San Fr- the Seattle Seahawks will lose to the Minnesota Vikings one thousand to zero, and the <laughs> in a, and in the, a historic <laughs> game. <laughs> liter- literally, the Seattle will put up a thirteenth, fourteenth, and fifteenth man, and it won't be enough. <laughs> and uh, the the uh, the Minnesota Vikings will defeat the Seattle Seahawks and we will maintain control of the driver's seat in the NFC and the NFC West. I also I also believe that whatever happens in this game if if for some reason if by you know, so many things having to have to go right for the next for the rest of the season. But if we do see this team again in the big dance, this game will have taught us what to do to win. And so there's the silver lining, and that's those are my twists on the game. Twenty six, twenty four, Ravens. Raymond says twenty nine, twenty seven, forty niners. What say you, Goldcast Nation? I like that our boy Johnny Dell's gone on there, dropping the prediction. Yeah, I do like uh, that. I love that. That was great. So be sure to leave your predictions in the comments section. We know it's Thanksgiving. Hop on there on Friday during Black Friday and put your predictions. Let us know who is going to win the game and by how many points. And then as we did yeah, last and week. Yeah, and any other obscure predictions that you think are going to happen. You know, I think he's going to get sacked three times. I love predicting sacks and hell because it's the holiday. I'll even throw a, a pick six Richard Sherman in there. Oh, Ooh, I like it. I like it a lot. And as you saw, you saw my twists, my twist on the game was that the 49ers will lose the game 26, 24, but the Seahawks will lose to the Vikings. Thus, we will maintain control of the NFC West with a little help from the Vikings. I do not believe the Seahawks are going to beat the Vikings. I believe the Vikings are going to win, right? I really do. I think they're uh, I think they're actually a better team than the Seahawks and Seahawks pull. And they're a coming lot off of these the games. bye. They're coming off the bye too, so they've had a lot of time to prep for this. And Seattle, one thing Seattle does very consistently is not only do they score points, but they also give up a lot of points. That defense breaks more than it bends. It's the offense that bails them out every time. And I just don't think that's sustainable, nor do I think is that a recipe to win out for the rest of the season. This, this Seattle team reminds me very closely of the version they had. I believe it was either 2014 or 2015 when they went to that ice game against Minnesota. And the only reason Minnesota didn't advance is because they missed that field goal. And I remember everyone that year talking about how the Seahawks were the team no one wanted to face in the post. And this just became a phrase that you just kept hearing repeated over and over, all over the place. And you watch that team and it was the same thing. They were just pulling these wins out of their asses. And you were like, this is just not sustainable. Like you can't, you can't t- you can't ride this wave all the way to a Super Bowl. There's so many of their games have been decided by seven points or less, and uh, you know they they can beat. Andy Laird said something really good. We were talking on Twitter a while back, and he said you know that um, you know the Seahawks can beat any of the playoff the big playoff teams, right? They can 
they they could beat the Niners, they could beat the Packers, they could beat the Saints on any given Sunday, but they're not going to beat all three to get to the Super Bowl. They just they're just not built for that. You know, they they'll, they'll they'll win one of these games, but they can't beat all three of those teams on on their way to a to a Super Bowl berth. And I 100% agree that that you know this is a team that's that is, and I'm not being I'm not being biased. I'm just looking. If you just look at the the team, this is a divisional round at best team. This is a, that's as far as they're going to go, and um and I think you're going to see the Vikings prove prove that they're the better, more formidable team on Sunday. So I I remember Monday night. It's the the Vikings game. I I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I believe it's prime time, uh, either either Sunday night or Monday night. I can I think it's Monday night. But yeah. But I I think the same thing as far as the Forty ers go. You know, the Ravens Ravens have a good defense, but they've only given up twenty five sacks this year. That's really low on the totem pole. That's all. That's almost you know a little more than half of what we've done forty four. So they don't get to the quarterback the same way that we do, which is a huge difference maker that obviously favors our offensive line, favors our rushing attack, favors our pass protection, and favors our ability. This is why they're susceptible against the pass because they can't get to the quarterback. They do have a great secondary, but the secondary can't sit there and and blanket cover the entire play. After three seconds, you know it's over. So I think that's going to be the difference maker today is the passing attack. Or today on Sunday. I think so too. Man, this is going to be exciting. Don't forget, it is a early 10 a.m. game. I thought it was a primetime game. It should have been flexed to primetime. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Monster Mimosa matchup. (laughs) Monster Mimosa matchup. (laughs) Raymond, I love that term. Well, folks, we will see you at the Monster Mimosa matchup. 49ers Ravens and uh, we will see you guys after that let us know in the YouTube comments youtube.com slash the gold cast and let us know who's going to win and by how much all right Raymond any final thoughts before we go go Niners baby 11 and 1 11 and 1 go Niners 11 and 1 even though I predict that score I promise you come Sunday morning I will have completely convinced myself that we will win this game because we will go Niners so concludes another edition of the gold cast we are the voice of the bay I'm your host Rudy Suisa third and with me is my brother my co-host Raymond Salisa first baby boom we'll see you next time same gold cast time same gold cast channel. This is, is the gold cast.